Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the International Biodynamic Guild podcast. I'm your host, Will Bratton, and today we're joined by Gary Lamb. Gary is the director of the Hawthorne Valley Center for Social Research and its Ethical Technology Initiative. His technical background includes a degree in civil technology and mathematics and employment in the fields of building construction, medical technology, and manufacturing. Prior to working on A Road to Sacred Creation, Rudolf Steiner's Perspectives on Technology, Volume 1, he edited Steinerian Economics with Sarah Hearn, a compendium of Rudolf Steiner's views on economics published by Adonis Press, and has authored books on Waldorf education and associative economics, such as Social Mission of Waldorf Education, Wellsprings of the Spirit, and Associative Economics. He was also the managing editor of the Threefold Review, a journal based on Rudolf Steiner's ideas about the threefold social organism. You can find Gary and some of his work at hawthornevalley.org. You can find his recent book, A Road to Sacred Creation, at Steiner Books. This may be my favorite book that I've read in the past three years. I highly recommend it, and I recommend you purchase it directly from Steiner Books and support these critical publishers. Gary, there are so many things that I'd like to discuss with you, like social threefolding, education, and more. But in the interest of time, let's focus on Steiner's perspectives on technology, and hopefully you'll join us again for more episodes in the future. Yes, the uh, when we talk about technology, it will take us into those other fields, such as threefolding and education. Excellent. So if you would, you know, 30,000-foot view... What is your most recent book, A Road to Sacred Creation, about, and why did you choose to write it? Um, Yes, it's basically a compendium of Rudolf Steiner's perspectives on technology. Um, He he was a spiritual scientist, um, so he brought a spiritual perspective to the whole issue of technology, which... I think is greatly needed at this time. Um, I think everything uh, is more or less from a materialistic perspective. Um, And so he brings a much broader um, case to the question of technology. As far as the book, um, it has about uh, nine chapters. And I went through about 135 of his collected works. His collected works involve about 350. And he gave no um, lecture cycles on technology, nor he wrote, he didn't write any books about it either. But uh, I found out uh, he spoke about it in many different situations uh, in relation to many different topics. So it was quite a chore, took me about a year and with a couple of people helping me to track down um, his indications in relation to technology. So it starts with um, a chapter on science, uh, natural science, Gertian science, um, the scientific approach by uh, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, who was uh, both a scientist and a, a poet, and spiritual science. And just to show the evolution, uh, the appropriate evolution from natural science to Gertian science, which is phenomenologically based, uh, not doesn't just stick to number, weight, measure, and then on, evolving on to spiritual science. And then um, I used, um, there's a 
chapter or two about electricity-based technology and the various forms of technology that were around during Steiner's time in the early 1900s. Um, and then uh, the gets into the middle of the book where Steiner, the image, so it's almost an after image that I got, is the phases of technology um, that he described starting with, let's say, uh, basic technology extension of the human limbs, tools, weapons, things like that, to harnessing outer nature, windmills, sails, water wheels, and then on to uh, electricity-based technology. And uh, Steiner spoke about forms of technology that would arise uh, beyond our electricity uh, based technology, which are based on the soul aspect of the human being and ultimately uh, on the spiritual nature of the human being in connection to certain cosmic forces. So that's the uh, core element. And then I look at the necessary um, conditions, social conditions, in which these future forms of technology, uh, which are based on uh, moral forces, not egotism, profit motive, um, and look at Steiner's uh, picture of a threefold social organism, and then also what kind of education uh, do we need to develop a, a new forms of technology that are more eth- ethically based. Uh, and let's see, and then I look at the nature of thinking, uh, thinking as a spiritual activity. Um, and that's pretty much it in the first volume. I'm working on volume two right now. Yeah, and very much looking forward to that. Uh, I'm, I know you mentioned uh, that you'll be covering magnetism in the second volume, and I'm uh, really interested in, in magnetism, so can't wait. Um, b- big question right out of the gates, but I think we need to talk about it. Who is Ahriman? Who is Lucifer? Who is Christ? What's their dynamic? And who are we in that dynamic? Yes. Okay. That is the big question. Um, So that gets to uh, the perspective of the, let's say, the forces that are active in the human being and also addressing the question of evil. Um, And... uh, Typically, there's good and bad, the devil uh, and God. So it's a kind of polarity. And Steiner spoke spoke, spoke more in terms of a trinity, um, Araman, Christ, and Lucifer. Araman is uh, the being, spiritual being, who is um, likes to lead the human being or help the uh, the human being become immersed in matter, uh, devoid of any spirit. Uh, and on the polar opposite is Lucifer would has would like the human being to actually disconnect to, from the earth and uh, live in the bliss of I, mean, you, I guess you would call it the cosmic heavens. And in the and in the middle is the Christ figure, Christ being, who brings about a balance. So the 
path of development of the human being is how to develop these two polar opposite forces through the centering force of of the Christ. Uh, And just a word about Christ. Um, Steiner doesn't speak about the Christ being or the Christ force in terms of uh, orthodox religion, but a spiritual being that's active um, and in our evolution of the human being um, and the bringing about this balancing force uh, in these two tendencies in the human being. The the Christ as a spiritual imperative. Yeah. Um, in, uh, in the book, you uh, state that Lucifer was incarnated in the third millennium BC in China. Is there anything more you can share about this event? Um, yeah, I th- the well, the Luciferic Lucifer uh, Steiner connects to um, enable the human being to have more of a clear conscious think- thinking um, thinking capacity. So uh, I have to back up a little bit. So Steiner's conception of the evolution of the earth and human evolution, I would say contrast with, let's say, uh, the Big Bang Theory. Uh, So I have to give you this context first. So with Mm -hmm. the Big Bang Theory, um, which was um, brought to the world by Georges Lemaitre, who was born in um, Belgium, contemporary of Einstein, and he pictured the beginning uh, of Earth, cosmos, really, as beginning with a uh, cosmic egg or primeval atom, a highly dense concentration of matter, uh, high density in matter, and an infinite amount of heat. Uh, and this, at a certain point, uh, there was this explosion, uh, which is now referred to as the Big Bang, in which uh, this initial um, um, uh, quantity or uh, as, uh, actually the, everything that was we now have in the whole solar system and universe was there in this so-called cosmic age. You have this cosmic uh, explosion which lasted less than a second uh, in some readings. And since then, the pieces of this cosmic explosion have gone through this continual expansion process. So it's, uh, to succinctly put it, so there's high density of matter, an explosion, and uh, an expansion of matter, uh, more or less endlessly. Steiner brings um, pretty much the, the opposite picture where he speaks of um, the origin of the universe as entirely spiritual mm-hmm. and rather than a concentration of matter. And uh, then the um, universe goes through a, what you might say is a spiritual condensation process through various stages in the evolution of the earth um, where uh, in the beginning, there was warmth, and then air, and then water, and then phys- the physical earth. And right now, we are pretty much in the middle phase of the um, evolution, um, and what was meant is meant to be the most dense 
the immersion, most dense immersion of matter. And then now um, we, as part of evolution, will gradually reconnect to uh, the spiritual world. So starting with spirit condensation process, a rhythmical process, immersion in matter, and then a a rhythmical process where humanity actually becomes more and more spiritual again. Um, Why, you could ask, well, why go through this process? And it was the way, I guess you could say, the gods um, laid out how human beings could be individuals with their own self-consciousness and not completely subsumed by the spiritual world so that they have their own identity and then are able, in a way, to co-create, participate with the spiritual beings and forces so that we become co-creators. And this is where... Um, technology comes in. If you are willing to go along with this picture of the creation of the world uh, from spiritual forces, then the one of the purposes or roles of technology is that we begin to practice creation in the physical world um, and also become self-determined, directed human beings hopefully will uh, in a way that we become more and more ethical and moral in the process so in a way this is our tra- technology is our training ground uh it's not without problems um there are no guarantees in it but uh, anyway so that's a way to think about technology it's our practicing ground to be creative in the world and eventually become co-creators with the divine worlds in the e- rest of the evolution of the earth. So that might seem far out, but I always like to compare it to the Big Bang Theory uh, and think about the cosmic egg and this big explosion and all these bits and pieces of the universe and the solar system ever expanding. So um, I think uh, if you just step back and look at both of them, I don't think any... the spiritual perspective that Steiner brings is any more far-fetched than the Big Bang Theory. Fair enough. Uh, Similar to the question about Lucifer's incarnation, uh, Steiner says that Ahriman is preparing for his incarnation in the West in the early part of the third millennium AD. Uh, We've entered the third millennium AD. What might we expect and what can we do to prepare for this prospective incarnation of Ahriman? Yeah, well, Steiner's... uh, um, quite keen, I guess you could say, that we, uh, in order to um, uh, prepare, is to understand the tendencies or forces that Araman would like in place in preparation for his incarnation. And imagine Araman wanting us to uh, human beings to immerse in the earthly matter, um, completely disconnected to the spiritual world. So Araman's very connected to matter in the physical world, and that's his realm of being, and he would like humanity, I guess you could say, 
join him in that. And in, in that situation, he would be ruler of the evolution of humanity. So what are some tendencies um, that we need to look for in uh, that Staharaman brings into the world? So, well, certainly materialism um, is one of them. I would say that's uh, the main one that we have to look at. So any, everything that uh, disconnects us to, I would say, spiritual realities of life and have us focus on uh, materialism and connected that with, let's say, egotism, self-interest, all of these things that in the West are very prominent right now. Um, so it's, uh, let's say, it's uh, the kind of atmosphere um, that Aramon likes, that people become disconnected from the spiritual worlds and become concerned mainly about their own individuality and uh, interest, self-interest, egotism, and acquisition of you know, wealth, power, these kind of Aramonic tendencies. Earlier you spoke about um, developing kind of self-directed, wholesome thinking in response to, to Araman, I believe, and uh, modesty and humility perhaps towards uh, Lucifer. And what I read in your book is that if, you, if we do cultivate these things, that uh, we'll, there's the possibility of redeeming both Lucifer and Araman. What does redeeming Lucifer and Araman look like? Uh, and can you just explain that concept to me? Yeah. Um, well, in a way, you could say Lucifer and Araman are uh, disobedient children, <laughs> in a way, um, going through a kind of teenage phase. So they're in opposition to what we could call the beneficent um, gods. And so the way, uh, so there, um, Snyder said, you know, in relation to evil, it's, you know, it's not something that should be banished and gotten rid of. It's actually how to bring together, again, um, all the different spiritual beings and hierarchies back into harmony. And it's actually through, let's say, this diversion, maybe you could call it uh, Lucifer and Araman, they're, in a way, uh, testing us and forcing us to develop our individuality and our thinking. Um, so uh, in a certain way, they're actually providing a service to humanity as long as they don't, uh, that, as long as we don't completely succumb to those forces. So in a way, it's, it's so uh, you could look at it as just as we as human beings stand upon the earth, the earth provides this uh, resistance in order for us to be able to be uh, able to be upright people. Araman and Lucifer are serving a purpose in, I would say, um, these two tendencies of being too immersed in earthly matter and this other tendency of just, um, I would say, leaving the earth. And you can, and I'll just use one example. Let's say when you use hallucinogenic drugs. Um, and uh, and I know there are certain uses that can be used uh, therapeutically, but if one gets lost in this uh, uh, l world that's disconnected 
to earthly life, um, then one loses connection to earth evolution. And then on the other side, if one becomes so immersed into the materialistic life and not really concerned about other people, disconnected from other people, that's the other tendency. So, um, but by, I would say, resisting those, working against those, overcoming those, um, we can actually not only develop ourselves, but uh, bring uh, bring back Lucifer and Araman back into the overall uh, stream of human evolution and earth evolution. In the book, you quote Steiner as saying, quote, much exists in the world for the express purpose of guarding mankind from the temptations by Lucifer, rules of conduct, maxims, moral precepts, Mm -hmm. instituted customs, and so forth. But there's less to help man to protect himself in the right way from falling prey to the Aramonic impulse, namely untruthfulness. It's high time for humans to forge armor against the attacks of Araman. How do we do that? How how do we armor ourselves against lies and half-truths? Yeah. That is the task at this stage, and and, um, particularly through, let's say, social media, the whole influence of uh, electronic communications has brought this um, whole issue to truth and error um, to hopefully uh, uh, a a height. uh, Hopefully it doesn't get too much worse than it is right now. so one of the uh, one of the um techniques that Steiner suggests is to um try to bring together um let's say all the perspectives and let's think we're in a group of people um who share certain perspectives to try to look at them side by side together and not reject them uh not be taken over by them, but to just enter into them in a way and let them live in one soul. And uh, there is, Steiner suggests that there's, um, I would say, inner spiritual process that if one can let let these different perspectives live within our soul um, that are communicated by uh, various people, and friends, acquaintances, and ever that um, something he calls a mean, M-E-A-N, something arises that is uh, more truthful and correct to the situation. So not to get drawn in uh, to polarities. Uh, and that's, I would say, one of the great challenges now is not to be sucked in um, into uh you know, the polarization that's happening right now. And social media, um, basically, is business plan is um, based on uh, feeding on the polarities and, uh, we say, existing habits of thought of people. So it's a real, cha- uh, you know, it's a real challenge right now uh, with social media. And so one of the solutions of how do you deal with that is actually we have to find business, different business models um, uh, on which the technology industry has to be based. Because as long as it's on self-interested uh, motivation, profit motive, 
then you're going to have all of these influences becoming greater and greater. So, um, so there's, you know, whatever we develop inwardly, we need to find the social forms that will help foster the kind of inner development that we think is worthwhile for ourselves and also the future generations. So the whole question of the uh, um, uh, social foundation of technology is absolutely crucial. You know, the business model, the financial model, the organizational forms, the human relational forms, all of this needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. Uh, You further quote Steiner on the pain that our harmonic beings feel because they're not able to take human form and stand on the earth. Quote, the harmonic beings actually feel this terrible pain. It can be alleviated only if they approach human beings and take hold of the intellect. The intellect cools this pain. Therefore, they're obsessed by the human intellect and hold on to it with tooth and claw. Our harmonic beings fill themselves as it, as it were with human intellect until it hurts. They want to merge with human beings to become intellectual beings themselves. Uh, end quote. How does this relate to artificial intelligence and or uh, integrated cyborg technologies like neural lace? Oh, boy. Um, so... Hmm. Are these? Is that too much? <laughs> yeah, let's let's break it down. Uh, okay. Yeah, just just uh, go um, uh, slow, more slowly on that. Um, would you like me to to read the quote again, yeah, or just? Yeah. Uh, okay, sorry. Um, quote: The aramonic beings actually feel this terrible pain. It could be alleviated only if they approach human beings and take hold of the intellect. The intellect cools the pain down. Therefore, they're obsessed by the human intellect and hold on to it with tooth and claw. Okay, let's, harmonic let's, beings... yeah, let's just stop there. Yeah, okay. this is one of the characteristics um, uh, Steiner describes uh, a part of Aramon, that he is um, a being, he, she, it, um, uh, is one of pure, rigid intellect with no warmth. Uh, no heart forces. It's all finely choosed, uh, uh, finely shaped intellect. So uh, this, in order, and so I think what Steiner's saying is that the more that the, he uh, inspires people to just think intellectually in the manner that is the nature of his being, he receives certain comfort for it from, uh, mm-hmm. from it. Uh, so this, and now I'll bring in, um, where Steiner pictures the Christ being, um, in relation to thinking. Um, so Araman's pure intellect, cold, hard chiseled intellect, uh, with no compassion, no, uh, sensitivity for, um, let's say other people's feeling where Steiner says that we are, uh, we say, our thinking should not just arise out of our head, and he uses the term heart thinking, that our thoughts should be warmed through by our higher feelings in, within the heart. So it's a, so 
the thoughts rather rather than being remaining cold and I would say hard-hearted are actually uh, our thoughts are combined through a higher sensitivity uh, or, or warm-heartedness. So, uh, so uh, the Christ does not, we say, do away with the sharpness of uh, critique of Araman, but actually warms it through, retains the um, clearness of the thinking, but also brings it uh, in connection to. I would say ethical, moral forces, in essence, with love. Any comments on artificial intelligence and and uh, cyborg technologies? The the um, the integration of the cold intellect with the you know the the matter, the mineral. Yeah, the question of artificial intelligence. Um, uh, this gets into another area where um, in modern natural science uh, it's typically portrayed that the thoughts are created by the brain that um, the our, our thoughts are exuded uh, from the brain and Steiner takes a, uh, a quite a different picture about thinking he said that um, you know, well, basically, he also talks about the death forces in the brain and the nervous system. That uh, those uh, though you thoughts can't arise where there's living processes going. So you know, the nerves of brain are um, pretty deadened. So that allows a thinking process to uh, arise. But, uh, Steiner actually talks about that the thinking process takes uh, out place outside the brain and that what the brain does is reflect back the thoughts that are in the I would say in these different elements of the human being let's say one's ego individuality uh, the astral body etheric body and that the brain reflects those uh, uh, thoughts back um, and allows them to arise in consciousness. So you're getting into, uh, uh, I know this sounds uh, a bit far-fetched and confusing, but in order to really understand the nature of thinking, you also have to think about uh, the picture of the human being. It's not just a physical being uh, and a spiritual being, but uh, basically there's four members. The I would say spiritual individuality, the uh, astral element, that's the feeling element, sensation, and etheric element, those are the life forces, and the physical. So in order to think about, uh, understand the nature of thinking, you actually have to take in consideration all four of those elements. And I don't know if I can say much more about that. Um, so let me just make a comment here in general. Now, one could say, my goodness, this is pretty complex uh, and confusing. Uh, but Steiner, what he tried to bring to the world was a spiritual science, a science of the spirit, which not only includes uh, recognition of the physical elements and the soul elements, but also the spiritual laws and forces behind matter. So if you 
let's say, went to a biologist or a chemist or a physicist and said, well, how does thinking work? Um, that you'll get a complex answer. And so spiritual science is no less as complex and strenuous to understand than trying to study physics, um, biology, or chemistry. Um, in, in fact, it embraces all of, all of the natural sciences. So there are no, let's say, quick, easy answers. So uh, if I am um, being over, uh, well, sort of like detailed and vague at the same time, um, mm -hmm. you're asking very specific questions which require, uh, uh, first of all, understanding what is the nature of the human being um, and what's the, yeah, and the life processes. Um, so I'm just giving you kind of snapshots, I guess you would say. No, I understand. And there's, uh, I've, I've heard other um, uh, people smarter than myself speak on artificial intelligence. And it's, uh, it's almost certainly not all it's presented as. And uh, it, it's, um, it's a pretty big leap of faith to assume that it's going to become anything like we are. Um, so moving on. There are a number of quotes in the book connecting Araman to economics. Can you speak to this uh, connection and if there are any strategies that we can uh, employ to, to deal with this challenge? And is there any connection um, or do you have any comments on cryptocurrency, if, if any? Okay, let's just start with the first part. Um, well, let me just get a, get a little drink of water here. Well... Well, let's just uh, think again about these tendencies um, of Araman. Um, very, uh, we say, uh, connected to egotism, self-centeredness. Um, and if you look at um, and desire for power over people uh, and very uh, unconcerned about, let's say, the feelings of another person. and you could say, in a way, Araman embodies um, what we are experiencing in uh, what we call private capitalism. Self-interested behavior, profit motive, um, concern for oneself, not concern for others, or if you're uh, concerned for others, but it's in, in the end, it's actually... Uh, more concerned for, you know, making ourselves feel better. So I would say, in a way, Araman personifies, or perhaps you could say it the other way, uh, private capitalism personifies the Aramonic tendencies. And, um, and that's not, uh, I have to be clear right away, I am not advocating for socialism. Uh, maybe we can get into that in a moment. Uh, but these, uh, I would say, these tendencies of the human being that I just described are deeply embedded in the Western uh, approach uh, to economic life and capitalism. And that's where, again, uh, we need to bring the Christ force of care and compassion into economic life in particular, um, which uh, 
is not to be found or not found very often in our day-to-day economic life. I think now would be probably a good time to get it. I, I couldn't uh, figure out a way to navigate to the subject of um, kind of collectivism and and uh, yeah. And so it, yeah, now would be a great time to cover that if you would. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so basically, uh, I'll just try to tersely describe um, Steiner's picture um, of appropriate, healthy picture of social life. And um, let me say first, he came to this picture of a threefold social organism, which consists of three major realms or sectors, economy, economics, uh, government, or the state, and culture, education, science, art, religion. Um, And he came to it uh, through studying physiology. Uh, And uh, he came to this picture that there there is a kind of a threefold aspect of the human being. Um, and yeah, so he looked at the physiology of the human being and what came to him is that there's a threefolding in the human being, um, our nerve sense system, one aspect, our, uh, rhythmic system, um, breathing, blood circulation, second aspect, and our metabolic limb system. And, and then he says, well, each one of those systems in the human being are equally important, that are vitally important. The human being is not going to exist in the form that we are uh, now without uh, each one of those realms, uh, the nerve sense, the rhythmic, and the metabolic system, um, doing their part in keeping a a body uh, healthy, human being healthy. And when one of the causes of illness is when any time one of those uh, aspects of the human being uh, starts intruding on or dominating the other. For instance, let's say the nerve sense system starts dominating our metabolic system in our gut and our digestion. You end up with ulcers. Let's say the metabolic system starts dominating our nerve sense, our head system. You end up with a migraine headache. So there needs to be a kind of bar- harmony and balance for those three. So the point being is each one of them are equally important and each one of them has a function to serve and each one has a certain jurisdiction. So taking that and saying, thinking, okay, uh, our society that surrounds we as human beings should be a reflection, an extension of who we are as human beings. Uh, and he came to this idea of a threefold social organism that really is an, I would say, a reflection extension of a threefold human organism. Uh, and, and and most social scientists uh, don't disagree that uh, with the idea that there are three main sectors: the economics, government, and culture. Uh, so. What we have now, uh, if you look out in the world, and I'm just going to give you three generalizations, and there are a lot of variations on this. Uh, Under private capitalism, um, we have one sector, 
the economy dominating the other two. Uh, or you could look at it as the economy dominates our government, and both mm-hmm. of them dominate our culture uh, and defining culture at, in this moment as our educational system. And so using this principle of one sphere taking it, uh, dominating the other, you're going to end up with social disease. And that's what we're experiencing under private capitalism. Under socialism, you have a different situation where you have the government or the state dominating the economy and both of them dominating culture. And then another possible arrangement is fundamentalism, where you have, uh, let's say, religious culture, or I would say even a scientific culture such as materialism dominating the state and the economy. So we need um, uh, a kind of approach to social life which Steiner called the threefold social organism, recognizing that each one of those spheres, the economy, the state, the government, and cultural life are all equally important. And if any one of them dominates the other, you're going to have social illness and social disease. Um, So that's, uh, and then each one of those spheres um, has its own unique purposes its own jurisdictions, and he said each one of those spheres or realms or sectors should have their own administration, and that, uh, let's say, the state shouldn't be administering culture, including education. Education should have its own administration based on people who are engaged in the activity of educating, uh, not having politicians and corporations and CEOs determining what education policy should be. So it's having this, yeah, balance in those three sectors. And then he goes a bit further and say, okay, once you recognize that there needs to be a healthy balance of those three sectors, we have to find um, there's an appropriate dynamics in each one of those sectors. And if you look at the economy, Right now, uh, under the market economy, uh, self-interested behavior, profit motive is the primary driving force. Steiner saying a healthy economy needs to be based on altruism, care and concern for others. The purpose of the economy is to serve other people, not to accumulate as much personal money and power for those who are in control of it. And, and with the state, uh, equality of every person, um, regardless of background, race, religion, um, and uh, equal participation and culture based on freedom, freedom of choice as far as one's worldview. So, so then you need to have a sense of the three realms being equally important, their own administration, and then we need to really look at the appropriate dynamics of each one of those spheres. And that's what he has laid out. He has written books about uh, the threefold social organism and what he called uh, an associative economy. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That was thorough. Um, You just spoke on education and kind of bringing it back to uh, the subject of technology Um, I'm going to read another Steiner quote. I apologize. I have a few of these. But, uh, quote, to use modern technology with no knowledge of how things work or how they're made 
is like being a prisoner in a cell without windows through which one can at least look out into nature, into freedom. Educators need to be fully aware of this. Should we be educating one another and our children on the various electronic components of these so-called smartphones and otherwise technologies? What, you know, what what should we be doing? Yeah, I feel this is one of the most important indications by Steiner uh, in uh, in relation to technology, both from a socially responsible economy point of view and from an educational point of view. Um, So, yeah, his point is, okay, we start using, um, you know, let's say a smartphone. What he's saying is, uh, and this goes uh, for young folks and adults also, um, that before we use something, we should understand how it was made, where it was made, what were the conditions under which it was made, what's the environmental impact. Um, and what are the potential risks and hazards of using this technology? Um, it's actually antisocial uh, not to go through that. And, our, of course, in our present uh, system of economic life, you do everything you can to keep all of that a secret. You do not, not want people to know the conditions under which things are made or the potential or the real impact on the environment. Um, in order to do that, um, uh, to take that step would require the economy and the technology industry to slow down. Um, but the, our mm-hmm. driving force of the economy is, you know, fast fail, uh, move fast and break things. and. In order before a healthy situation is where people really understand what we're using and how it's used. And it's also, I would say, a socially responsible approach. You know, why are we using all these things and we don't know or don't want to know the conditions under which they're made? We don't want to know the impact of the environment. and because we're more concerned about the convenience. So this is, a, to me, is one of the most important um, social and educational uh, points he makes. Uh, I feel very strongly uh, about that. Is it something, and pardon me if uh, this is an honest question, are Waldorf schools today dedicating any significant amount of time to this type of education? Um, I would say more so than other schools. That's why um, many of the huh, technology people in Silicon Valley send their mm-hmm. children uh, mm-hmm. to Waldorf schools. Um, and it's because they know um, the, uh, you know, they know to, you know, what these things can do how they're made, uh, and they want to protect their own children. And this is a, um, which is good. That's what a parent should do, want to do. But I think um, every parent should have that opportunity uh, to understand these things and the opportunity to send their children 
to a school they feel is best suitable for their children and also living up to social ideals. Um, anyway, did I answer your question there? No, you did. No, you reminded me, you know, Steve Jobs wouldn't let his children touch an iPad, you know, just they know. Um, but, uh, it's a shame that we, you know, that, that isn't, uh, a wider known. Yeah. Um, well, let me, I, and I'll go one step further, uh, here. And, um, so, uh, I, uh, I won't mention names, but recently there, not recently, let's say in the last year or two, there was a movie, uh, where, in which on, uh, technology in which a lot of people, early pioneers of the technology industry, um, uh, were describing, um, uh, and reinforcing, uh, the, we say the reality of, uh, many of the people uh, who were involved in early years were, um, you know, trained in persuasive design, behaviorism, um, and in ways that enable, uh, maximize selling one's product. Um, is it, uh, the social dilemma? Um, yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I think the, the, the that organization is doing fantastic stuff. Uh, but mm-hmm. it was, uh, uh you know they're kind of a light in the darkness uh mm-hmm. and but, but there was one part in there where one of the former ceo i don't know if it was a ceo or one of the top people in one of the uh early tech companies who after the movie sh- talks about um the um, you know how these uh, persuasive designs incorporated into the social media aspects, um, and uh, one of the executives um, said, "We knew what we were doing, meaning we knew that we were basically creating addictive uh, products for mm-hmm. people." Uh, and then he said, but we did it anyway. I, right. uh, if, if it, it, just imagine another situation where someone admits committing a crime and said, yeah, I did it anyway. I knew about it. Um, there would be uh, legal consequences uh, for that. Uh, I consider that attitude, that approach, a crime against humanity in particular to the rising generations of children. And we really haven't done that much to stop that approach. Uh, uh, And although I must say I've come across a lot of really fine organization trying to bring some kind of regulation into the technology industry, appropriate Mm -hmm. technology that protects Mm -hmm. the health and well-being of people. That's a legitimate role of the state or government. But um, it's hard going because, as I mentioned previously, uh, economic industry uh, interest, including the technology, has a lot of control over our government and our representatives. They provide a lot of money so that certain people get elected. So it's uh, until we figure out, um, and I think it's absolutely essential, how to uh, diminish 
uh, act- or actually eliminate this power economic interest has over our political organization, we're going to be in this blasé attitude uh, as demonstrated in that movie. Yeah, we knew what we we're doing, but we did it anyway. It's it's a criminal act as far as I'm concerned. Well, uh, <laughs> I mean, no, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and and I I don't have the note right in front of me, but it's uh, I believe a number of times in the book, uh, it, it's kind of um, stated that it's this adversity that we're going through that's important to our evolution. That we're supposed to be facing these challenges, um, and so that's that's one thing I, I've I've embraced for some time is that we you know with you you can't have the light without darkness and all that so um now i'm ready to get into the subject that i was uh, most struck by uh it's not what i expected to find in this book but before we do i kind of want to uh share my uh personal perspective i was introduced to all these subjects signer all of it uh from biodynamics so i almost feel like i'm approaching all these things backwards and in from my entry into biodynamics, um, it's so many just kind of uh, recommended to avoid electronics and technology, if at all possible, to do the the stirring by hand. You know, do do as much with as simple a technology as possible, and and not to bring technology into it. And I, I thought that was the the idea was to avoid it. And so I've been looking into. I, I selected your book because I wanted to see if there was any way uh, to bring technology into into agriculture into into these uh, domains and the quotes that I found were shocking um, and so I apologize ahead of time I'm gonna read uh, some quotes here um, where it's to me it sounds like the prophesying of a merger uh, between humans and technology you know some pretty uh, sci-fi stuff um, so quote if we're able to no, pardon me, quote, if we are to find again what is spiritual in the world, then we must simply break completely with everything that has come down in the form of mysticism from former times. In the mechanical world, devoid of spirit, given us by modern science, there we must find the spirit. And another quote, how the temper of the human soul, the flow of human moods, can be transmitted to machines in wave-like movements the human being must be linked with something that has to grow more and more mechanical. It would be quite wrong to think that we should try to prevent these things, for they will happen. They will come about. The only question is whether they will be brought about as a part of human evolution by people who are selflessly familiar with the great goals of earthly evolution and will do them in ways that are beneficial to humanity, or whether they will be brought about by those groups of people who only want to make use of them egotistically or solely for the sake of their own group. It is not what is done that matters in this instance, for the what will happen anyway. The important thing is the how, how these things are tackled. The what will happen anyway because it is intrinsic in earthly evolution. And this is the part that that's, you know really struck me. Welding together human nature with mechanical nature will be a great and significant ongoing problem for the remainder of earthly evolution. End quote. Uh, in one of your footnotes, you uh, reference Ray Kurzweil and transhumanism. And when I read these quotes, transhumanism is what comes to mind. 
would you say that Steiner is talking about transhumanism, but with a spiritual component, or am I misinterpreting these statements? Um, okay. Uh, so you've actually brought up about four different topics here. I want to back up um, the question of technology and biodynamics. Okay. Um, so I, uh, I think one needs to um, not limit one's definition of technology as a, a physical device, electronically based physical device that, you know, sort of ends up there because that's what we're involved so much. Um, technology comes the word technique and technique actually had artistry, uh, a part of it. So I consider the, um, of various techniques that biodynamic uses, um, uh, the, the composting, the, the preparations as a, a new form of technology. It's not electricity based. It's uh, based on human interaction. You mentioned the, the preparations. And so you're bringing consciousness and soul forces into that activity. Um, and so it's not using electrical device in most cases. Sometimes you might, but you're you're bringing the human being the consciousness there. So I consider uh, the farm individuality as a kind of uh, a technological approach, artistic approach, and also the preparations with a compost heap, working with the rhythms of the stars and the moons. I consider all of that. Uh, I would say a higher level moral oriented technology um so um and then let's see there was another part yeah uh, getting to uh, i'll jump to the last part this question of the merger of the human being uh with technology um if so using that first example um about expanding what one's talking about or thinking how, or picturing technology, I think it can um, uh, free one up when one's thinking about the merger of the human being with technology. Um, so, yeah, so it's uh, like transforming matter, transforming the ways that we work with the earth. That's all a kind of a artistic should be an artistic um, technique brought in there. So it's a way of de-rigifying, <laughs> if I can use that term, uh, what we're calling technology. Um, yeah, and so we, going back to, I think I mentioned earlier, um, technology is a creation of the human being. So that's, uh, I would say, the practice of creating the world anew. Uh, if I may say it this way, the gods actually created the conditions for the world to arise through this rhythmical uh, process that I just, uh, spiritual or yeah, rhythmical process that I just described before. So. Um, 
if we're looking towards the future uh, and the human being becoming closer and closer to technology, uh, I think what Steiner's picturing is not necessarily artificial intelligence um, and electric electricity based technology uh, that we're enwrapped in now. Um, so I think it uh, it's the human being being creative with the, the materials of the earth. Um, and one of the things that Snyder says, interesting, uh, technology of the future must be beautiful. Um, and um, if you look at some of this heavy-duty machinery that, you know, uh, earth movers and stuff, um, I, I look at them and I go, they look like monsters from a foreign planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you think, now, what is beauty? That's not just aromatic intelligence. Beauty brings heart forces. So can you bring heart forces and warmth to what you create? Um, and also, um, I think I mentioned in the beginning, the ultimate form of technology uh, that Steiner's talking about is a moral technology that's uh, created out of the moral forces of selfless love. So if you bring love into your activity um, as an inventor uh, and uh, bring the that into it, you're going to start developing a different kind of technology. And also, if you bring the hard forces, you're going to bring beauty, art, artistry to it that will actually enliven and support uh, a human being and not create this um, dead aromatic world uh, that's cold and heartless. Um, so I think one needs to be a, a little flexible. Um, and I think, uh, to me, it's really key. Um, so the human, Steiner, what he's uh, saying is that, yes, the human being is going to become closer and closer with the world that one is creating as human beings. Um, and with this expanded view of what technology. Kurzweil, um, you know, was thinking about artificial intelligence um, also, uh, and, uh, you know, mechanical, technical things. Uh, you know, in a way we have it, uh, we're starting to do it. Well, we've done it for a long time where we have, we're having implants, you know, we have, and in a way there's some of them are very positive. A pacemaker, a defibrillator, uh, hearing aids, glasses, you know, we're becoming more and more that. Uh, But uh, that is, I would say, just the beginning. What Kurzweil and um, the tech world is making, uh, I would say, electricity-based connection between the, I would say, the electricity forces around the brain with a computer. And you probably know that the idea is, well, uh, within a relatively short period of time, uh, artificial intelligence is going to be greater than human intelligence. And the only way for humanity to keep up is to basically uh, connect on an electricity basis uh, between the brain and the computer and continually download data and information. 
Um, that's not what Steiner's talking about. Um, he, you know, he's saying Araman wants to do that. We're going to have to deal with it. But we, as human beings, working out of selfless love and moral forces, need to develop a new form of technology, uh, a moral technology that is made for the created for the benefit of humanity and not for how much profit you can make on it uh, or how much power you can gain over people, but you're doing it for the out of love for the other people and humanity in general. Um, and yes, technology, we will become closer and closer with technology, but it's, it will, the idea ideal is to a new form of technology is going to be arise. And so you walked right into my uh, next question, which is, this new technology and rhythm is a um a theme and like you said uh the force of selfless love and he also mentions the incorruptible morning and evening forces associated with the constellations of pisces and virgo uh can you speak to that that portion the um etheric forces in the cosmos and uh pisces and virgo yeah well let me start with rhythms um and when you think of the great universe and all the rhythms of there, um, and what Steiner's suggesting is, if we would work, focus more and observing and looking at the phenomena of rhythms in nature, in the cosmos, within the human being, we will sensitize ourselves more and more to the spiritual aspect rather than looking at, you know, so-called atoms and molecules and things like that. <laughs> uh, Steiner, at one point, um, says uh, it would be to the advantage of uh, scientists if they would stop looking at microscopes, through microscopes, uh, down through a microscope, and turn around and look up the, the cosmic heavens. He said that's the source of creativity. We have to understand those cosmic rhythms and those forces um, and how they relate to each other. Uh, so that's one aspect. And okay, keep me on track with what your question is. I also want to know more about uh, the constellation, the, yeah. the incorruptible morning and evening forces uh, associated with the constellations of Pisces and Virgo. Um, I don't have too much to say as something i'm actually working uh on with the help of other people who are uh have an understanding of the cosmic rhythms and how these different constellations go together i do know that um i well i mean if you look at biodynamic agriculture uh, mm -hmm. that uh, the uh, i would say the morning and evening rhythms are actually an inherent important piece in biodynamic agriculture as far as planting and harvesting um, and also in anthroposophically based medicines, the the utilization of, uh, of pro, uh, potentizing remedies on the basis of morning and evening rhythms, and Pisces and Virgo are, uh, I would say, in connection to uh, the morning and evening rhythms. Um, that uh, and even one anthroposophical-based um, pharmaceutical company has come up a way of preserving remedies without alcohol by using these rhythms. So um, there's already been work 
um, in that direction. I, as far as theory, I don't know enough yet. It, it intrigues me. Uh, I did work for Walida for a number of years. And so working with potentization, harvesting plants at certain, you know, in the morning and evening and not at midday or midnight, um, um, there has been studies, I think, with Pfeiffer, Aaron Fried Pfeiffer did chromatograms on the, these different uh, harvesting times. And it shows that the etheric forces are stronger when you, let's say, harvest uh, or mm-hmm. even with the planting. Uh, you work with these morning rhythms. You are tapping into forces that are health-giving and beneficial to the human being, not only uh, both from a nutrition point of view, but also a medicinal point of view. I was actually hoping we'd talk about uh, medicine next. Is there any way you could uh, share with us who uh, or, or where one might find more information on the ability to uh, potentially uh, preserve using um, timing and, and rhythm? Um, yeah, I the um, I hesitant to say um, there was one. A person, a colleague, or someone who lived during Steiner's time, who took up this idea of rhythms and s- developed that. And uh, someone should check this. I think it was the Walla, Walla, W A L A. Ashka? Uh, yeah, who kind of uh, experimented and developed that. So there is a pharmaceutical company in uh, the United States, Uriel, um, mm-hmm. um, who works with these rhythms. And uh, Walida uh, does to a certain degree also. I, I spent a couple of decades, and I worked for Walida, uh, but it's been a couple of de- decades. So I don't know where they're at in that relation. Um, mm-hmm. so anyway, so the, there are, there has been work done in a practical way. And, and one of the things I'm hoping to do in volume two, which I'm working on is to, um, have a chapter on just the state of the art on who has taken up various indications by Steiner in relation to, uh, technology, such as working with rhythms uh and things like that you know cosmic rhythms earthly rhythms so uh i think it would be very good to just for myself uh, but also uh readers of the works that i'm working on to understand okay uh these uh ideas were not just left in the etheric cosmos actually people have been working on these uh ideas in a practical way Yep, very excited for volume two. Um, on uh, back to uh, technology and agriculture, uh, in the portion where Steiner speaks of the implications of stirring the preparation by hand, um, he uh, places attention on the importance of enthusiasm. And then uh, later, um, in a, in a different section, he's quoted um, as saying. Quote, if we can develop keen, fervent, and enthusiastic interest in the mirage that arises from chemistry, physics, astronomy, and so on, through our own luciferic interest, we detach from Araman something that should belong to him. End quote. Uh, is, that the, is that part of the idea of what's going on uh, with the enthusiasm? 
is that these are luciferic acts to counter the aramonic materialism? Yeah. Um, yeah. So as I was uh, just going back to this trinity, Lucifer, Christ, Aramon, um, it's not that we want to do away with all of Lucifer's tendencies or Aramon's. We want to have a balanced uh, approach so that in any moment in life, and Steiner actually says that, in every moment in life, the human being is uh, working with Luciferic and Aramonic forces. And so the, the key is how to bring them in the right balance in every moment in life. And that's what the, uh, he pictures the Christ force. How do you, how do you, how do you um, have a relation to this middle point? And the Christ force is try, always trying to bring a balance to these tendencies. And both of these tendencies are a part of the human being and needed, but we don't want it to go into a one-sided direction. There's a couple of things I left uh, with in reading your book. One of them was I I wanted to, you know, like a Paul Revere character, just be like, Araman is coming, Araman is coming, you know, Um, uh, prepare for the incarnation. Um, And then the other is this, you know, we're surrounded. I'm I'm on a a laptop speaking with you over the Internet. Uh, This is going to publish on the Internet for people to download into their devices globally. Um, But there seemed to be a strategy where if we recognize the the character of the entity present, you know, if we recognize that Araman is in this device, that it it neutralizes it um, to a degree. Can you talk us through that uh, and how effective that really is? Hmm. Well, um, yeah, uh, Araman likes to slink around unnoticed, <laughs> I guess you could say. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So, yeah, this is a, the counterbalancing, or at least the initial counterbalancing is to be aware of the Aramonic tendencies um, or trends that Araman brings into life and to Lucifer. And it's uh, by becoming aware of them, you kind of neutralize uh, their overwhelming effects that you, let's say, you don't try to, you know, uh, avoid all technologies. You aware, you, uh, you uh, use the modern technologies, but you become conscious of, uh, of their effects. One of the effects is a moderation, um, and to use it in an appropriate way, and to or maybe uh, limit that. You know, if we don't know the negative effects or these influences, then um, you know we get sucked into we're on social media at eight o'clock, and all of a sudden it's one in the morning, and <laughs> you know. Where have I been? Like, who's been controlling my thoughts? Why did what did that happen? So I think the more you can uh, become conscious of these tendencies uh, and te- uh, trends and tendencies of both of them, um, we can, as human beings, um, have more control over them. That we use them to the degree that's necessary, but we don't uh, allow them to take over and control our lives. We remain in control. That's the key. I've got at least one more Steiner quote here. Um, Quote, it's frightening to witness the extent to which today's scientific research is demon idolatry. 
a worship or veneration of demons. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Um, whenever I uh, read this, I, I, it reminded me of rituals that are being held at CERN and other such institutions. Uh, yeah, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that quote? Um, well, the spiritual world is multi-layered uh, and very complex. But if you just imagine from a biological point of view, all the different organisms uh, that are, you know, within a, a handful of soil. Um, so if the earth is a reflection of the spiritual world, you have to imagine a very complex interplay of spiritual beings and realities in, in every situation. Um, so when he uses the word demons, he means a, um, a certain um, type of spiritual aspect or a being that is, uh, I would say, in cahoots or uh, under the jurisdiction of Araman. Um, so, th yeah, so that's the direction. Exclusively, exclusively Araman or perhaps Lucifer as well? Um, well, I, my interpretation is, um, different beings are having allegiance to, um, Lucifer, Christ, Araman and other beings. So, um, and the one thing he does said, I just uh, re was re researching for volume two, uh, he's quite clear, is uh, you never find Araman by himself. Lucifer is there too. And you never mm -hmm. find Lucifer. It's a question of who's uh, uh, leading or in control of a certain, you know, the dominating influence in a certain situation. So, uh, Lucifer and Aravon, although they have different approaches, they um, help each other out, but it's usually self-serving <laughs> in the sense, of, at least the way Steiner characterized it. No, uh, Lucifer will help, uh, forces will help out Aravon because they're hoping or assuming this is going to help them meet their ends uh, eventually. Um, so that I, I just want to make a connection. So if you think about, um, let's say a, um, uh, let's say a smartphone or social media, um, you could say the actual workings of the phone is a kind of aromatic electricity based device. Um, a lot of intellect in there. A lot of, uh, and it's the motivation of the people to a large degree is for profit and power. Uh, but uh, that phone uses a lot of the, I would say, luciferic interests like um, pleasure um, and uh, lack of consciousness and taking you off into another world. Um, uh, uh, to me, a uh, prime example is, let's say, uh, microdosing with LSD. You get worn out by all this, um, uh, let's say, intellectual activity into developing you know, new code or whatever. Um, so what do you do? You want to bring in some luciferica forces. Well, uh, you know, this is reportedly common practice 
to microdose with LSD to, let's say, lift you out of yourself. So um, I just give that as an example where actually in a, basically, a, basically an harmonic device, human beings, people who are deeply involved in that, actually um, you uh, draw upon Lucifer to, for their relief and also their creativity. If that makes sense to you, I I just want to um, make sure. I I think it does, but let me check. Uh, are we saying it's okay to uh, to to experiment with some uh, psychedelics to relieve some of the um, materialism of of Aramon? Uh, no. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, we're not. Uh, okay. Especially like so. What it, this gets back to the point that Steiner makes. Which key is uh, not so much what's going to happen; it's how. How? You know, what's the motivation? So, if the whole motivation, primary motivation, um, is to create products to make a lot of money, and you know, um, uh, and yeah, and have power over people, and you know, control, then. Um, you're 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 bringing uh, too much aromatic influences, and then uh, and then you're and bringing in luciferic to enable Araman to keep doing what you know his thing. Um, and there's Lucifer. So basically, uh, this is dragging us. Uh, the combination of two is dragging us in a direction that humanity should not have to go through. And this is one of the, this gets back to the whole social question. Um, and let's say this uh, addiction quality, I, it really should be illegal for any company to uh, have devices that especially children can use that have, create addictions and obsessions. Uh, this, is, uh, this is beyond, for me, way beyond abuse of rights. Um, so, uh, this is where, you know, you're getting into Lucifer and Araman and just with no external controls on this. So we not only need as adults inner, um, balance, but we need the social organs to be unbalanced to protect people, especially children from these devices and these beings and people motivated, uh, for the wrong reasons in and uh, development of technology. Couldn't agree more. Um, since since you've brought up psychedelics a couple mm. times now, can we? Uh, I'd, I'd, I would like to get a little clarity. What 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 are your thoughts on where psychedelics? Uh, we can say um, psilocybin, LSD, whether it be natural or synthetic. What you, you choose? Where do you think that fits into uh, any of these things? Um, I. You know, I'm. It's a question. It may be possible to use, and apparently, at least from uh, materialistic science or uh, uh, um, therapies, that these are helpful in certain situations. So I don't want to say no. No one should never do it, uh, but it should be. You know, the people administering this and offering it should be have a consciousness and concern and insight in the nature of the human being that they're not um, helping someone else 
helping someone in the short term, but damaging them in the long term. Uh, so I didn't want to rule it out. But this the idea of sucking us so deeply into the addictive qualities of, uh, of uh, technology or that uh, the people who, the programmers or the people who are creating these things, you know, spend endless hours on it and instead of taking a break and getting some real sleep, they use uh, a hallucinogenic drug to enable them to keep going and also to stimulate their creativity. So when you rely on a material substance, a hallucinogen, in order to stimulate your creativity, I question whether that's really for the good of humanity. Is that working out of ethical, moral forces? Or um, are you actually allowing oneself as the inventor or the creative uh, to be taken over by um, not so helpful uh, beings who don't have the best interest in uh, humanity, people, children? Excellent. Thank you. Uh, one uh, last question. Um, there's an infinite emphasis on technology uh, being developed with altruism at heart in your book. What are your thoughts on the holding up of Ayn Rand in Silicon Valley tech over the past uh, few decades and her opinion that altruism is a great weakness? I disagree 100%. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the basis, you know, self-interest is the basis of private capitalism. Um, uh, private capitalism, socialism, fundamentalism, they're all outdated. They have to be replaced. Whatever good they did in the past, it, it's not helping now. We have to move on to a balanced, um, I think Steiner hit it, nail on the head, threefold social organism. So no one of those fears dominates the other. Um, and altruism um, really needs care and compassion and concern for other people. Um, I'm convinced that needs to be the foundation of uh, economic life. Um, otherwise, I mean, what we have is a social organism beset with tumors. It's like a malignant um, organism right now. Um, and we have to... Uh, bring those organs into balance, those three sectors. I wanted to leave some time here at the end uh, to see if there's anything you'd like to to speak on that we haven't already covered because I there was quite a bit, bit in the book. I, I know I told you before uh, we started that I've got about 10 pages of notes, but I, I couldn't, we couldn't cover it all. I wanted to uh, see if there was anything you think is, is uh, relevant that we haven't already spoken on. Um. Well, I guess one of my biggest concerns for, and this is related to uh, Steiner's social um, ideas, threefold social organism, associative economics, um, and the question of the importance of education and culture. And one of the ideas that Steiner presented is that the future of humanity is best served when every child, regardless of background, regardless of so-called capacities, 
are in a situation that they can develop their latent capacities to the fullest. And that's what we need in order to develop a healthy social organism. And if we have an idea or a social theory how life should be, uh, let's say we as the older generation thinks this is the way things should be, um, then we're perpetuating onto the younger generation our thoughts. Um, and we really need to have the rising generation have the possibility to bring their capacities, their sense of their own tasks uh, for the future and give them the space, the freedom to develop that. And introducing um, you know, national goals, standards, and assessments, basically to perpetuate the existing system is really leading to the downfall downfall of uh, the human race because we're not benefiting from all those um, undeveloped capacities that each generation is bringing. So the key to the future is enable every generation and every child to bring as much as possible of what they have latent in their souls and also from a spiritual point of view um, every incarnating being has come here with a purpose they've chosen the time and they want to do something for humanity for the earth for human evolution and we need to give, create the situation enable them to do that and not have them dominated by the existing powers that are prevailing now Thank you. Uh, again, A Road to Sacred Creation, Rudolf Steiner's perspective, uh, Perspectives on Technology. Get it at Steiner Books. Um, it's, it, my questions did not do it justice. Uh, it's, again, my favorite book, uh, at least over the past few years. Highly recommend it. Gary, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you. And look forward to volume two.